Hello and uh, welcome to Hunter Gatherers, the uh, podcast of Hunter S. Thompson Stories. We have with us today, as our uh, honored guest, Randy Wyrick. Wyrick, as he's mostly known in the mountains of uh, Colorado, is a uh, icon of mountain journalism. He is the former editor of the Vell Daily and a, a longtime reporter there. We won't go into exactly how long. And today we're focused, we're going to get in the uh, time machine. We're going to go in the way back to a little known aspect of Hunter's uh, journalism, his uh, role in the Kobe Bryant case. We'll take you back to 2003 when Kobe Bryant, who uh, you'll remember uh, died in a tragic helicopter crash in January of this year. Uh, One of the things to hate about uh, 2020. So with that, I will say uh, welcome to you, Randy. And uh, how are you? Oh, better than somebody with all my bad habits ought to be. You know, you're, you're joining us today, uh, I should say, from uh, your new home in Indianapolis, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just recently, I think in the last month, uh, left your longtime uh, home in the Rockies. And uh, now you're, you're a boomerang kid. You've gone back to where you were raised. <laughs> Born and raised in beautiful downtown Portland, Indiana, not too far from here. Uh, left the daily after... 30 something years. See, and let the record show. I wasn't going to say 30 years because <laughs> my, my brain actually sort of locked up. So take us back, Randy, to 2003 and uh, tell us your uh, Hunter Thompson story. Once upon a time, not so very long ago, 2003, uh, Kobe Bryant wandered into town to have some surgery done on one of his knees at the Stedman Hawkins Clinic at the time. He managed to make quite an impression on the town. He got to town and was supposed to stay at the Lodge at Cordillera. Uh, his driver brought him to the wrong place, brought him to the Lodge of Vale. So there he is, six foot seven, six foot eight, walking through beautiful downtown Vale, Colorado. And for lack of a better term, places like Vale and Aspen are so white they're translucent. And he made quite an impression. People knew him right away when they saw him. He ended up at, finally at the correct hotel, the Lodge and Spa at Cordillera, where he checked in and was supposed to have knee surgery the next day. He ended up, um, there was a bellman who was a huge basketball fan and quite an athlete himself, who checked him in, uh, was looking for a little positive reaffirmation from uh, Mr. Brown. Didn't get any, wanted an autograph. Kobe wasn't feeling him. So he went back downstairs, talked to the front desk clerk, a young 19-year-old woman, tall and blonde and everything that goes with that. And she said, well, I'll go get his autograph. And so she picked up a Cordillera drink coaster took it back up to his room with a black felt tip marker to get uh, Kobe Bryant's autograph. Now, during the course of their meeting, they had conjugal relations one with another. Um, She later determined or accused Mr. Bryant of sexually assaulting her. And so Mr. Bryant went to surgery the next day, got his knee fixed, 
was sitting around the hotel about 10:30 that night the eagle county sheriff's office some investigators showed up and questioned him at length very long time and so began the infamous case of cordillera in kobe bryant's life well yeah the new york times called it the 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 most watched celebrity prosecution since oj simpson it it was everywhere i remember walking through an airport and seeing you on tv <laughs> it was in the in the rockies a cottage industry and oh, sure. uh, uh, just just to run people through the highlights of it the criminal charges were dropped in um late in 04 she actually the, the night before the trial was supposed to start they had seated yeah. the jury which took three or four days they brought in something like 500 prospective jurors but they and, they dropped that uh, the charges were dropped in september she filed a uh, civil lawsuit which was settled <laughs> in uh the spring of 05 so that that's the resolution kobe did apologize and uh, in that apology, which is widely available, he he accepted that she did not consider this consensual, but reasserted that he did. With with that case set aside a bit, in the midst of all that, you developed a more interesting source. <laughs> As it turns out, the good doctor was accused of something similar, a woman named Gail Palmer, who is listed as a writer, producer, and director of uh, pornographic movies. Now, how much you have to write in a pornographic movie is one of those esoteric and ethereal questions. Uh, I don't imagine. I can't imagine how much writing there would be. I mean, more stage direction in out repeat. Wait, um, what? Porn porno movies have sound? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, shoot, that changes everything. <laughs> uh, so it was about 1990 in February and she ended up, Ms. Palmer ended up at, she had lived in Michigan. She had her, uh, porn industry career had gone off the rails. She wrote a letter to, uh, the good doctor. Can I come visit your house? And with it, she sent what was supposed to have been, a tape of her very best work. So, uh, the good doctor shows, uh, she shows up at the good doctor's house in that February. Uh, the good doctor was there with a few friends as the night wore on. A couple of those friends left and he invited her to join him in his hot tub. She decided that she didn't want to do this. She accused him of misbehaving badly uh, he flung vodka and cranberry juice at her, um, she says. And uh, three days later, February 26th, in 1990, a team of investigators from the DA's office in Aspen, Glenwood Springs area, show up at his house. They spent 11 hours searching and, among other things, found uh, gourmet mushrooms and a tape that was labeled as child porn it turned out to be an npr documentary um and uh all the charges from ms palmer were dropped but and we should say that that mostly because of the 11 hour search 
Yes. That yeah. was part of the catalyst for Hunter starting the Fourth Amendment Foundation. Uh-huh. And and thus, you're saying that that's one of the reasons he was interested in the Kobe case. No, yeah. other, other than just being a reporter, and he was he was naturally so. So, how did you come to connect with uh, Hunter? Because you were because you were the local guy. You're the guy on the ground. You were on TV a lot. You were oh, writing yeah. a lot of stories. I mean, here's the thing about something like that: it, the, the John Denver trial in Aspen, uh, his DUI trial. They become little cottage industries for the local yes. reporters. They did, and it's probably. Everybody says every story is important, and they're correct. Uh, it's probably the most notoriety I ever had in terms of covering a story. Um, you couldn't turn on a television in the valley without my adorable face being on it. Um, they even gave me Veil Daily shirts and ties so that I would look good on TV, which was odd because you know all my buddies, you know, I'd be on TV wearing a shirt with a collar and a tie properly tied by the way, which I learned in Boy Scouts and my, you know, you'd say all this incredibly insightful stuff. And my buddies would come to me later and say something like, dude, I saw you on TV. You were wearing a tie. Are you okay? Yes. 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 I assume you're going to court. So, so in the midst of all that, um, as if it couldn't get any crazier in pops, Hunter Thompson, in pops, Hunter Thompson, uh, I may have actually set up the call. You actually did. And bless your heart for doing it. Um, there, we sort of knew peripherally about this Gail Palmer case involving the good doctor. But it didn't occur to me to connect those dots. And like most people, I didn't have any way of contacting him except to go hang out in front of the gate or at the Woody Creek Tavern and wait for him to show up. However... Uh, through a um, Curtis Robinson Memorial Humanitarian Grant, uh, <laughs> the good doctor got my phone number. Now, it was one of those afternoons that things wrapped up relatively early in the courthouse. And so I was driving out in Western Colorado, and my cell phone rings, and I picked it up, which I'm told now you're not supposed to do. But I picked it up. And, uh, you know, hello, this is Randy. Hi, this is Hunter Thompson. Is it now? I thought it was one of my buddies having me on, but no, it was him. And bless his heart, you know, the good doctor who has plenty to do called me and we talked for about 30, 35 minutes about this case um, while I'm driving around. And one of the most fascinating things uh, and amazing things to me was that you know, Western Colorado is well known for its topography. So I'm going up and down hills. I remember I went around a curve that went to the left, through a stand of trees, and dropped down into a valley where cell service disappeared, and I lost him. Well, I was pretty upset. How many people can say that they dropped a Hunter Thompson call? Almost nobody. And so five minutes later, when I'm back on top of the road has risen back up to uh, a hillside and I have cell service. He called me back and we talked for another 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and so because I hadn't, I wasn't familiar with him. You know, one of the last things I asked him was, well, this is fascinating. And thank you so much for all this amazing information. Can I use this? And he was sort of aghast. Well, of course it's why I called. And so 
I wrote a story about it, about our conversation, and what, drove up, I filed it. It was in the next morning's paper. Drove up to the courthouse for a hearing that day, and we had broken three or four pretty big stories in this case. Uh, you know, this fact is true, that fact is not. And all people wanted to talk about when I got to the courthouse was, you know Hunter Thompson? Can I meet him? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, Nobody you know, wanted to talk about the case. Nobody cared about the case. They all wanted to go with me to the good doctor's farm and blow things up, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm sure. I'm sure of that, both figuratively and literally. But the um, now you had several conversations with him during that. What, what kind of questions did he ask? Well, he wanted to know um like everybody else what was going on and he would ask basically the same kinds of things that most people would ask you know how's kobe well he's in very real trouble what do you mean by that and we would get into these conversations about where he could have done this besides colorado which has some pretty tough sex assault laws you know and also you know, do I think he can get a fair trial? Well, of course I think he, that he can. Um, and uh, also, you know, what do I think of the girl? Well, you know, I, she's 19 years old and impressionable. Um, I think that she thinks she's telling the truth, which young Mr. Bryant bore out in his apology. Um, but, you know, and, a lot of it was philosophical, which was a little odd for me. I'm trying to, you know, I'm talking philosophy and that sort of thing with Hunter Thompson. Well, that's, that's surreal. Well, but let's, let's, let's play some connect the dots in the Hunter world. Uh, huh? In August of 2003, I think it was August. Uh, the judge in Eagle County, and this was a county judge. This was not a federal case. Uh, this right. was a county judge. Yeah. Uh, he had, he had put, he had put a, uh, gag order on the attorneys in the case uh -huh. and yet stuff shockingly was leaking. And, um, <laughs> in August of that year, he appointed a special investigator to look into the media leaks. That investigator was Pitkin County Sheriff Bob Broadus. <laughs> Who, for, for, for newcomers, uh, uh, a hunter insider, uh, essentially, uh, he could have been, you know, he, I, I started it, to say brother, but the, uh, I think it was closer than that. But uh, such, was, such was that. And also, Kobe Bryant's attorneys, uh, I forget the, the uh, young woman who actually tried it, but it was Hal Haddon. Uh, Hal Haddon who, and uh, his associate... Pamela Mackey, who, by the way, is genius. If you are ever in bad, bad trouble, you hire Pamela Mackey. Oh, hire, right yeah, the whole Haddon crew is, if you're in real trouble, um, and and uh, so there was that incestuous Hunter Thompson yeah. circle, and uh, so, so and also the, the stories being written uh, that prompted that investigation were done uh, uh, predominantly through the Rocky Mountain News, mm -hmm. written by uh, our friend uh, Jeff Cass. Yes. Who, who was also very, very much a hunter crony. So, 
what happened at the time is that uh, Hunter's Kitchen, I mean, he had access to everybody, he had access to the attorneys, uh, to the investigator. Uh, clearly, now it makes sense because he had all this information that, that no one else had. Uh, and that was you. <laughs> so, so within 72 hours of taking notice of this case, he was probably the most knowledgeable human on earth. About yeah. the Kobe Bryant case, and you're right. He he was, he was interested. Because he was, I think he was considering writing something about it at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that he ever he ever did. Uh, although I should probably check that because the uh, ESPN column might have had something on it. But it was it was just interesting how much he knew. He knew exactly what the charges were. He knew what uh, uh, um, because everyone said rape. I think it was was it second degree sexual assault was the actual charge. It was uh, uh, originally he was charged with first degree sexual assault, which back in the old days we used to call forcible rape. Um, yes, and uh, we don't call it that anymore. We have a more politically correct. Well, because someone might say, "Well, what? Wait a minute. There's not. There's rape that's not forced." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you want to walk me through that? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, coercion might be a, another another form. Yeah. But it's uh it, it's it's interesting and and you also probably saw uh sort of a reporter to reporter thing, a, a different part of Hunter, because there were probably no drunken hijinks in these calls. These were probably very specific. <laughs> it was like talking to a city editor. He, well, exactly. You know, um and I was very impressed with the way he could follow a line of questioning. Um, you know, it, like a great attorney like Pamela Mackey um, when Pamela was interviewing sheriff's deputies during the preliminary hearing. Um, it took the, it took the DA about three and a half hours to set up the case. We took a break. Pamela Mackey got to the stepped to the podium and you could see the, the light at the end of the tunnel and you just knew this is not the light of day. This is a train. 19 and a half minutes, Pamela Mackey blew it all up. It was one of the most brilliant pieces of lawyering I've ever seen. And Hunter was exactly like that. He was he, intellectually, it seemed to me he was in that weight class. You know, I mean, I would be driving around or sitting there and, a phone number would come up and I would answer it and it would be him. And he had a very spe specific line of questioning that he wanted to follow. And at, resistance is futile. You're going down this road. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Resistance is futile. You can try to distract him, but when he was like that, he was going to get his answers. Yeah. And you know, which, you know, he was not only a, a great character, a wild character, but he was a great intellect in, in that way. Um, and, uh, he wanted information and he wanted me to connect dots that I probably hadn't. You know, he, Hunter Thompson is big city good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Subsequently, uh, I, I, I mean, after the case, um, I'll ask two questions. One is, uh, did you, I, I don't remember if you came over. I was living in DC at, in mm -hmm. 2003, uh, but I was doing daily 
Hunter calls, which is a different story. But the um, I don't remember if you were up at Owl Farm and hung out after that, but uh, how do you bring it up? I mean, do you name drop Hunter with other reporters now? Because it's almost irresistible. It is, and I am shameless, and I do. Um, you know, uh, some of the younger ones must be educated and they are not entirely, they've heard of them, but they're not entirely sure who they are. Well, Sonny, you're going to go read this and you're going to come back and we're going to talk. Yeah. So you have homework, Sonny. So the, the other thing is given that there was a special investigator, uh, sheriff brought us, (laughs) yeah, no charges were ever brought for contempt. Uh, do you think you were the leak? I, I'm sure more accurately. Do you think you were a leak? A leak. This thing had more leaks than the Titanic. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. But you had special access. I did. Yeah. Um, I had some people inside the DA's office who would feed me information I'd had, uh, and you know, and they weren't supposed to do it. Interesting that there's a siren in the background. Well, there you go. They're coming for you. I didn't. <laughs> right, this inter- Randy, this was an intervention. Now, now, now it's a raid. Uh, you, you've confessed to various felonies, and the uh, Kobe Bryant Foundation is funding your uh, uh, prosecution. <laughs> oddly enough, in this, but it was it was very very leaky, and I've often wondered if that uh, uh, you know I would see you know because Jeff Cass is is one of the best investigative reporters on earth. Yes, uh, he is a private investigator now in denver for those who, who who are tracking him or want to hire him he is he is trouble if he shows up on your doorstep <laughs> you're gonna wish it was 60 minutes the um, yeah. so when when you look back on that you know what was the hunter thompson impact for you going forward other than being able to name drop um you know, if you work in um Community journalism, as I have had most of my life, with the obvious exception of uh, United Press International. Um, you often, you, you're, basically, it's what I call three quotes in a cloud of dust, and you just get on to whatever's next. And it helped me understand how important it was to stop and prepare and follow a line of questioning that is logical. And, um, and, and as you also are looking for a specific answer, you know, where you're going before you start, like the good doctor or like Pamela Mackey, they knew where they were going before they ever started the conversation. Well, they certainly know what their premise is. He always knew what his premise was. And then he would, he would doggedly go after it or, and he would throw it away. Uh, I think ultimately he, when he looked at the Kobe Bryant case, he didn't see that as fundamentally a fourth amendment case, although it very much was, I mean, uh, uh, hanging out with Hunter was a lesson in, uh, in the justice system. And one of the first things you find out is the huge fight that goes on about what evidence will be allowed and not allowed. Right. And I think that was part of the fourth amendment, uh, both in terms of, uh, Kobe Bryant, but also in terms of, uh, the investigation of the uh, young lady was pretty aggressive. Oh my. And um, and we should say also, by the way, that Kobe Bryant. Everybody forgets this, but Kobe Bryant was all of twenty four at the time. We, yes, you know, granted, 
24 is not 19. But he had been, yeah, he, he, for those of us, for those who don't remember, he was drafted into the NBA straight out of high school. He was 17, 18 years old. He was a teenager when he started earning huge money as a professional basketball player. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and 2003, when he was accused, he was, he was famous, but he wasn't Kobe famous. He wasn't as famous as he would be five years from then after, you know, uh, but he was, he was one of the most famous athletes in the world. Yeah. And, um, became even more so afterward. And, you know, I don't want to rationalize or justify, but he had never been told no. He was, you know, making millions of dollars at, you know, 18, 19 years old. And nobody had ever told him no. As far as I, as far as I know. Well, do, 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 uh, world-class athletes still come to Vail to get their knees worked on? Oh, sure. Yeah, all the time. You see that him. is the clinic for it, isn't it? Oh, so, yeah. Uh, of course, yeah. in a ski area, you get to work on a lot of knees. Well, Randy, look, that's going to that's going to kind of wrap us up for this, and the next time we come back, we'll we'll tell drinking stories. <laughs> uh, greatly appreciate you coming on. Uh, you have one of the better uh, Hunter Thompson connect-the-dots stories that, that I know of. and um, I appreciate that. And we'll... Uh, We'll check in with you next time. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, it has been my great pleasure and honor. Well, the Southern gentleman hit the highway and gave us stories we could share of crooked schemes, shattered dreams of people everywhere. Road of whiskey screams and motel rooms where no one seemed to care. Road of deep, dark, secret places made us feel that we were.